morning. Today we have the, well, this Sunday we have the Sunday school story of Jesus praying in the garden. Uh, we're reading from Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 46. There's also a verse from Luke that's kind of important. It reminds us that the angels came and strengthened Jesus. This account uh, has quite a bit in it. It uh, teaches us about the nature of prayer and how, how and when and why we can approach God in prayer. It's a, it's a very good role model for us in that aspect. It teaches us about God's will and suffering, why we sometimes have to go through difficult times in our lives, reminds us of that. It uh, teaches about the attitude of the disciples, uh, the weakness of their faith and Christ's encouragement to them to, to pray lest they enter into temptation. And it also teaches us about the very real nature of Jesus's suffering, uh, that this was not an easy thing for him to do. If you talk, if you go through the uh, gospel accounts uh, and he's silent and uh, forgiving and, and thinking about other people, uh, somebody might say, well, well, he's God, you know, he doesn't really feel the suffering or something like that. And people have said that as well. But uh, this, uh, the his prayer in the garden really brings home to us the fact that this was not an easy thing. This was something he really dreaded on one level, even though he wanted to do it to save us from our sins. Uh, nevertheless, it, it wasn't an easy thing for him that he really did feel that suffering. And of course, on the cross as well, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me in, in a very real agony. Uh, the very heart of this account is the nature of God's will uh, for us and for our life. Uh, law would would remind us that we very often don't want to do God's will. We want God to do our will. Uh, we certainly don't like to do God's will when it means something difficult or, or that we suffer. And yet, um, God has called us to do his will because he knows better. Gospel, of course, is that Jesus willingly accepted the Father's will, even to the point of death, even the death on the cross, in order to save us from our sins. And God's will, ultimately, is that we are saved. Uh, Luther teaches us in the Catechism, what is God's will? Of The first and primary will of God is that all people are saved. This is what God wants above all things. And so Jesus suffers in order to save everybody. And we remember how Paul, as a missionary, and we went through that last year, I think we, we talked about the about Paul as a missionary, uh, how he went out to preach the word, and he suffered greatly in order to bring that word of salvation to many people so that, that many people could be saved. And so we too also, in our lives, we might have to suffer as we confess Christ in order to save other people, just as Christ suffered to save us. We certainly don't have to suffer anywhere near to the same extent that uh, Christ suffered for us, but we might have to suffer some persecution uh, in order to bring that wonderful news, that message of, of Jesus died for our sins and the salvation he offers us to other people. Matthew chapter 26, uh, beginning verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he told the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is swallowed up in sorrow. To the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. The Garden of Gethsemane is a place that we know very well, or at least it's a place we've heard about quite a bit. It's a place that Jesus went to very often. It was at the foot of the Mount of Olives, so it was uh, right between uh, Jerusalem and Bethany. Remember Bethany where Lazarus was raised from the dead and then Jesus came down the Mount of Olives on, on Palm Sunday and went into Jerusalem. He would have been going right past uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, he obviously came here to pray quite a bit. We're told that later on in the Gospels. 
So this is a, a garden that he'd often use to pray. And notice that when Jesus is upset, when he's worried, when he's fearful, when he has these powerful emotions, uh, that he even Jesus has, has trouble dealing with uh, human emotions. They can be very powerful sometimes. What does he do? He goes and he spends time in prayer with God, his Father. He knows that the Father will give him the strength he needs, that his Father will help him through this difficult time. And so the thing he desires above all else when he's upset, when he's worried, is to spend time in prayer with his Father. And of course, we have that wonderful hymn that many people love so much. What a friend we have in Jesus. Uh, how often we, in our failure to go to God the way Jesus does, don't we uh, fail to receive that comfort that we're going to see that Jesus receives. And as I mentioned before, that passage from Luke uh, that's mentioned in your, your lesson also uh, reminds us that God did fulfill his promise. Uh, he did send his angels to strengthen Jesus in this difficult time. So how does Jesus answer our prayers? You know, Jesus is coming to his father very worried, very uh, in agony, deeply distressed, he says, and but he still has to go through. He still has to go through the, the crucifixion. As we're going to hear in a little bit, he prays, if it's possible, take this cup from me. And so someone may say, well, the father didn't answer his prayer. He didn't give him what he wanted. But the father did answer his prayer, didn't he? He sent the strength that Jesus needed to get through uh, the, the thing, that the, the ordeal that he was facing. And so very often when we pray as well, uh, we have something that maybe we don't want to do or something in front of us that's very difficult to do. And we pray, Lord, if it's your will, take this away from me. Well, he might not take it away, but he will answer the prayer. And very often he answers the prayer by strengthening us, by giving that comfort that we need to get through the ordeal. And we see that here as well. My soul is swallowed up in sorrow. And going a little further, he fell, face, he fell face down and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And here, of course, we have we are taught how to pray, that when we pray for things, we need to remember to pray, not my will, but your will be done. We wouldn't want, God, I mean, there's a part of us that does want God to choose our will over his own will, but in the end, that's going to end up much worse for us. Uh, we need to learn to submit to his will because he knows better than we do. We call him our shepherd, right? Uh, that's one of the, that beautiful picture of Christ as our good shepherd. And we all ha love to have that painting up on our wall of Christ as our good shepherd. Well, if he's our shepherd, then we need to trust him to lead and we need to follow where he leads. We don't, the sheep don't go ahead and say, no shepherd, I know the path better than you. What's the point of the shepherd then? If he's our shepherd, then we need to submit to his will and let him lead because he knows the way and we don't. And so Jesus says here as well, not my will, but your will be done. Learning to submit to God's will is sometimes the hardest thing we have to do in life. Uh, will in, in Especially when we're facing situations where really difficult for us, really sorrowful like Jesus was, to say, okay, God, not my will, but your will be done, uh, can be a very difficult thing. And yet we know that is what's best. And so Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done. Verse 40, then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. He asked Peter, couldn't you stay awake with me for one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Notice how even at this time of difficulty, even when he's so sorrowful and so uh, in anguish about what's going to happen the day to come, nevertheless, he's concerned 
about his disciples. John tells us having loved his own, he loved them to the end. And you can point, really point out to the kids how Jesus stops praying, despite the fact that all Jesus wants to do clearly is spend time in prayer with his father. This is his source of comfort. This is what he wants, right? Despite that fact, he stops to pray to come back to check on the disciples. And he doesn't do that in order to yell at them, in order to condemn them. He does that because he cares about them and he loves them. And he's saying to Peter, can't you stay awake and pray so that you don't enter into temptation? So you could stop and ask the kids at this point too, what is it that he wants from the disciples? And certainly part of it is that he wants that companionship. He wants that fellowship. He wants that um, camaraderie, that strength, he, that, strength that, that we do get from friends. He wants them to be there with him in this difficult situation. Uh, he says that right away. And in fact, notice how when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, he brought his disciples with him to the Garden of Gethsemane, but some of them he left uh, kind of at the gate or at the door, but three of them he brought with him a little way, but those he left a little, and then he went a little further on. So there's these these different degrees, right, where he, he wants to spend a time alone with his father, but he also wants to spend, be with his disciples and, he, and wants that companionship. However, even more important to Jesus, he says specifically to Peter even, he says it to all of them, but specifically to Peter, watch and pray so that you don't enter into temptation. By the way, it's Peter and the sons of Zebedee, Matthew says, and that, of course, is James and John. So these are the three he often took with him uh, when he was only taking three companions, Peter, James, and John. Uh, so they're near to him, but not right next to him. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, Peter, of course, is the one that bragged and said, I, even if all others depart from you, I am going to stick with you. I'm not going to deny you, Christ. He said that during the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper. And Jesus knew better that when we trust in our own strength, our own ability, we very often fail. So many people enter into marriage thinking, well, you know, we're, my marriage isn't going to fail because I am going to make sure uh, that I make it work uh, because of what I'm going to do. And, and many people trust in their own strength and their own ability to, to make their marriage work. And very often people fall into temptation and it doesn't work. Well, we got to learn how to trust in Christ. And, and we need to, and Jesus encourages Peter here to do that, to pray lest you enter into temptation. Your strength is not enough. We need God and his power and his strength. So he's very worried about his disciples. Uh, he wants to encourage them to pray so that they don't enter into the temptation that he knows is coming. Peter, James, and John, they don't think it's any big deal, of course. They're just like us. They think, oh, it's just another night like any other night. We have plenty of time. We can, we can pray tomorrow morning. No big deal. How often haven't we thought the same thing? Well, well, we'll pray tomorrow morning. I'm pretty tired tonight. And that's exactly what Peter, James, and John are thinking. But Christ, of course, knows what's coming. And he wants them to pray now so that they would be receive the strength that they need to, to get through the temptation that is to come. Uh, verse 42. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came again and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. So notice how, how willing Jesus is to accept the father's will, even though it's something very difficult for him. 
And we know indeed that he prays even to the point where blood comes out. So there's that very real agony that I talked about in the introduction. What Jesus is about to go through is not just a farce. It's not just him pretending to suffer and die. He feels the agony and he feels it all the more because he knows it's coming. Uh, a lot of times when, um, when something happens to us, and it happens quickly, and we don't even realize it, but we have pain afterwards. That's not even nearly as bad as the anticipation if we know something really bad is coming. If we know we're going to have surgery, and, and the worry and the dread and the fear that leads up to it can be a bit even worse sometimes than the pain uh, afterwards. Um, and Jesus has known that this is coming for a long time, and that has been building, and it and of course, on the cross as well, it's, it's a very real suffering. He actually suffered for our, our sins. He, he felt that agony. And more than the agony on the cross, he felt even the agony of God departing from him, leaving him all alone. And of course, in Luke, as we said before, the angel, God answers the prayer by sending the angel to, to strengthen him. But once again, he comes and they could not keep their eyes open. He finds them sleeping again. Uh, he doesn't bother to wake them up this time. Um, he probably knows it's it's not going to do any good, but he goes back to pray some more. After, and after leaving them, he went away again and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the time is near. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. See, my betrayer is near. That really brings home Jesus's, uh, what Jesus said to the disciples before. Work while it is day, for the night comes when no one can work. Uh, Jesus is encouraging them to pray now when they're able because the temptation is about to come upon them. But, of course, they didn't know that uh, they were, were falling asleep. Mm. So, thy will be done. Of course, we pray that in the Lord's Prayer. It's the third petition. What is God's will? You might ask your students that. What do you think God's will is? And, of course, the most important thing, what is God's will? God's will is that we preach the gospel, that all people be saved, and that we live a holy life according to God's word. So you could work that into the story as well. What does God want? You could ask the kids, what does God want you to do? What are some of the things that God wants you to do in your life that might be very difficult? And maybe the kids will have different answers to give, and you could talk about that. But of course, one of the things that God wants us to do is that when we do sin, God wants us to confess that sin. He doesn't want us to hide it. He wants us to confess it, to admit it, so that we can be forgiven. And that's very hard for us. We don't like doing that because we're ashamed of what we did, and we know we might have to go through a hard time when we confess it. Nevertheless, it's a lot better when we accept God's will and confess our sins uh, even very often out loud, you know, confess when we mess up. If we do, if we're if we're mean to our brother or our sister or our friend, you know, admit that what we've done, apologize for that, uh, so that we can receive forgiveness from them and, and from God, and can move on from it. And Jesus here um, accepts God's will for his life. He of course didn't sin, but he accepts the the coming of the the crucifixion. Uh, another thing you could ask the kids is, what is God's will for your life? Or you could talk about the statement, some people will say, well, God wants me to be happy. And that's an excuse that some people use for all kinds of sin. Well, I, I know that it's okay for me to do this because I know that God wants me to be happy. You could ask your kids, true or false, God wants me to be happy. Well, the answer is yes, God does want us to be happy, but God knows better than us what our happiness is. And so that's not an excuse to ignore God's will or to no, ignore God's 
word. Uh, it's not an excuse to disobey his commandments because we think this thing will make us happy. God wants us to be happy in heaven forever, not on this sinful earth. And so very often we do have to go through difficult times. Uh, what if Jesus had said that in the Garden of Gethsemane? Well, I'm sure that God wants me to be happy, so I'm sure I'm not going to go and, and die on the cross tomorrow. That, that wouldn't make me happy well, then none of us would be saved, right? God wants Jesus to be happy. He wants us to be happy too. But being happy means going through the cross, dying for the sins of all people, because we can't be happy. We can't be saved unless Jesus did that for us. And so the fact that God wants us to be saved and wants us to live in heaven does not deny the fact that we often have to go through difficult times and do things that momentarily uh, make us unhappy. Another aspect of this story is how to deal with suffering. And so we see Jesus, when he has these powerful emotions, when he's facing this difficult thing, well, the first thing he does is he pours out his heart to God. Uh, sometimes people are afraid to pray because, well, they're, what's the right thing to pray or what's the, the right thing to say? Well, God wants you just to share what's in your heart. And so you can talk about what's in, what's in your heart and share the, those emotions with him. And you might say some things that, okay, those are sinful, but it's, you're being honest with, uh, with God about what's in your heart. And so this is, this is how I feel, God. But we always remember, of course, to say, your will be done. The next thing that Jesus did, well, he asked God to remove the suffering. He was worried about this. He, he was praying about this. If it's possible, remove this from me. And so we always pray whenever there's something we don't really want to do or something that we think is bad, Maybe a loved one is sick, maybe a loved one is dying, maybe something else. It's never wrong to pray, God, remove this, but we always say, if it be according to your will. We don't think this is a good idea, God. We would like you to remove it, but nevertheless, not our will, but yours be done. Thirdly, we notice that Jesus trusts God and submits to his will. Uh, if it can't be, if I must drink it, if this is your will for me, then give me the strength to do it. And fourthly, wait, waiting patiently for God's salvation. Uh, Jesus accepts God's will for his life, and he goes through with that suffering, knowing that in the end, God will save him. And so, too, when we have to go through suffering with something that we bear, but we bear patiently waiting for his salvation. It's not something we seek out. We don't seek out suffering in our life. But when it's there, when it's God's will that we go through it, uh, we trust God and wait for his salvation to come. So hopefully that gives you a good overview of the story and you'll have uh, lots of material to teach the kids there on Sunday. Lord's blessings on your Sunday school lesson and as always, give me a call or send me an email if you have any questions.